So there is currently a movie out there that was produced under Fox, distributed under Disney, and is currently only streaming under HBO Max, a Warner subsidiary. And this week, we watched it because it's The New Mutants. Aloha, bienvenidos, and welcome to Noob Island, a place for nerdy fun, friendships, and learning. I'm Professor T. And I'm Professor Z. Much like the starting zone of many video games, the goal of our island resort is to teach visiting noobs about geeky subjects, but away from the stress of having to worry about sweaty tryhards, griefers, know-it-alls, or neckbeards. We like to think of it as learning and luxury. Noob? Yes, Professor? I, I was... A, well, tell, tell the rest <laughs> of the... I, I realize, like, we're not learning anything today. This is only our second movie episode, and we clearly don't have the format This down is yet. like when you're in music class and the professor puts on a, a movie for you to watch instead of playing instruments. <laughs> yeah, drumline. This is what today is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, oddly oh. enough. And Rent. Mm, yeah, and I, I guess it was mostly drumline, but I brought in uh, Tommy a couple what was times. That movie with John Travolta and... Uh, Grease? There Hairspray. we go. That or one Hairspray. Mm. <laughs> Almost would rather watch Hairspray. I think it's aged better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Grease is catchier. This is not Grease a is catchier. Podcast, but okay, shoot, anyway. Shoot, new. <laughs> yes, Professor. We're not learning anything today, but yes. go ahead and tell the class your name, something about yourself, and I, I don't and know. And what we're like, here today for. Yeah. Uh, my name is Mackenzie. I am the noob. I'm here to learn about magic in the Marvel Universe, except not today. <laughs> and green is the most delicious color. Hmm. I think on percentage, he's probably right. I think he probably is, if only because cilantro's green. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I'd say, like, brown <laughs> because root beer and chocolate, but yeah. but there's too many other brown things that you're like, I'm not eating that. <laughs> like, <laughs> green safe. At half nope. the time. <laughs> green no, like, green is <laughs> Let's not go that far. Like half the time. <laughs> it's a good thing we're not teaching about nutrition here on this show. <laughs> if it's fuzzy green, don't eat it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway... This was the this is like the wrap up wrap up of this section. This combined with next week in which, which we actually, actually will deal with witches. Yeah, and will, you know, be a critically acclaimed piece of media <laughs> <laughs> rather than uh, stepchild of having watched universe. Yeah. Uh I guess how sh- I what did you guys know about this going into it, I guess? Other like it's supposed to be bad. Like that's uh, the big one. <laughs> I previously had seen it without knowing what the title was from a previous job with clients I worked with. Uh, so going in, I already had some idea of what to expect after I saw like the, the splash pitch. I was like, oh, I've seen that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you and I discussed this a lot on the first year of our other podcast, General Nerdery, because it was the little movie that couldn't. We discussed um, this on Fried Squirms because it was first billed as a horror. Eh, it's and still, I mean, it's that, not yeah. a horror movie, but like... It's a horror superhero movie. Has some gems in there. Mm-hmm. Um, this one movie was the last of the Fox X Men verse, but it came out in the Disney era, and so no one knew what. I think they only released it because it was pretty much just done by the time they got it, and they're like, "I, 
Sure. <laughs> guess we gotta go. I guess. Like, it's not costing us money at this point. Didn't they have tons of scripty rights? It had yeah. a ton of everything. Yeah, yeah. So, here's where, before we talk about the movie, I can... It's kind of a fun little story. At the time, especially when uh, first impressions started to roll out, the common narrative was too many reshoots, it's too jumbled, they don't know what they're doing. Or, like, they had to change direction halfway through because it wasn't working out, and then, like, all the reshoots didn't work, and this or that and the other thing. Mm. Then, right before the movie was actually released, Vulture did a really in-depth look at the history of what went into the making of this. Mm. Um, Or at least as in-depth as they could. There's a lot of people unwilling to talk about the making of this movie. Weird. Because it seems like they did not have a good time on it and are just trying to move on with their lives. Okay. Does that include the actors? Because most of what I remember of the actors being like, we don't know, man. We hope they release it someday. Pretty much. Okay. (laughs) I think the only one that was very, like, uh, not even super outspokenly positive, but, like, outspokenly positive was probably Blue Hunt being the uh, first native lead in a major motion picture. Mm-hmm. I really liked her, by the way. But she we'll get into that. Uh, so here's the actual story. There were no reshoots. What? Which is extremely rare on a major motion picture. So there probably should have been reshoots? Yeah. This was all things they got the first swipe through in production and then just had to edit together what they had. That's shenanigans. Here, so the the history is uh, Josh Boone, the director, and he he basically got to do this after because he was coming off the heat of having done The Fault in Our Stars. Mm. So he had major credit at the moment. Apparently, uh, him and the uh, other writer credited on this, Nate Lee, who had previously done some work on actually the Jackass movies. Weird combo. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I didn't know they needed a writer for the Jackass movies, but I guess there's some in-between moments. Um, <laughs> whole one page of them. Apparently they're huge New Mutants fans. I could tell that actually from this. There were several points that I'm like, oh man, you like deep dived. And to the point where they basically like wrote their own version of the Demon Bear and like illustrated it and shit. Okay. Like they have their own Demon Bear like in their closet tucked away somewhere, <laughs> which is really weird. I kind of want to see it now. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, cool. Like, let's let's sell this. Like, let's pitch this. Like, this seems like a good idea. So they pitched it as a, like, horror-esque X-Men meets Breakfast Club. Which would be fun. I kind of like that idea. More than not, they succeeded with that. If they succeeded well is a conversation we can have. And you know what? The studio was like, oh, no. Like, And it was more well thought out than that. Like, I have a feeling they probably pitched the bare bones of the movie yeah, that I we assume got. they didn't just say, like, five words and were like, okay, <laughs> thank you for the $20 million. <laughs> um, and honestly, if you explain the bare bones of this movie that we got, I understand how it got greenlit. Mm-hmm. Then production started happening. And apparently Boone and Nate Lee were both very... Uh, they just wouldn't give in to any criticism. They wouldn't change anything. Their script was huh. what they were going to do, even though all uh, 
everybody who was reading the script was like, cool, like, we get it. They're supposed to be kind of like snarky and Gen Z and they're like these troubled adolescent youth. But one of your characters is a straight up misogynist. And the other's racist. <laughs> that was that didn't even come up in this interview. It should have. Yeah. <laughs> we will be talking about my various thoughts on race issues handled in this. Basically, they were like, there's like almost nothing Breakfast Club in this. Like, you guys suck at writing that part. And the part that you guys feel like are supposed to be Breakfast Club-y is just like really low-grade juvenile humor yeah. that any of us could write. So why don't you let us bring in some, yeah. some people to punch up the script? Your stuff is good here, but there's places it could get... I mean, that's just basic editor. Even if like you have to rewrite the stuff, an editor will help you with your creations. Mm -hmm. Always. So they started bringing in people to rewrite. A uh, lot of big names. They're like, you know, you guys are trying to do it as this. So, like, they brought in the writers from The Conjuring to help with, like, the horror aspect and, like, Dang. bring that together. And uh, brought in this, uh, oh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Guy who's, like, famous for being a script doctor and had actually worked on almost every single one of the X-Men movies so he could also keep, like, universe continuity and, like, feeling and everything going. Okay, that's only about 50-50 of, like, a bad thing of having worked on every X-Men movie, like... Right. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and they kept being like, no. No. No, how about not that? To the point where, like, right before filming started, they basically held an intervention with them, and it was, like, a emergency screenplay read so they could have like six other writers and editors on hand to where, as they did the script read through, go, this doesn't make sense. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it drives me nuts because there is a good movie in this movie. It just wasn't there yet. Uh, and some of those I believe included like uh, Seth Graham Smith who wrote a uh, Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. Okay. And has punched up a ton of scripts. Like, he wrote the book and the screenplay for the movie. I'm not even saying that's a good movie or a good script. It is fun, though. <laughs> and that's what this movie desperately lacked, so... Um, and I think, like, a guy that worked on the new RoboCop, which, once again, isn't the biggest, like... But that movie wasn't bad. I went and saw it in theaters. It was fine. Yeah, no, average. a lot of these movies, they're like, we're making fun of these people for movies they've worked on, but most of the movies were fine. And the biggest problem was generally just like, we're trying to make RoboCop a new IP as opposed to like, it's more than I expect a script writer to be able to fix. And then basically Boone and Lee were like, nope, and moved forward and shot what they did. But then like the editing is still kind of in the hands of the studio as well as like the post-production. Yeah. So then they sort of did what they could to push it towards something that <laughs> maybe was more like what Boone described rather than what was actually done. You know what? I will say this. We're making this movie sound fucking terrible. It was better than Witches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 I, agree. <laughs> I mean, low that bar, was really low but bar. <laughs> a lot of things are better than that. But it literally got to the point where there was a Fox ex executive that said, we can throw all of this out, start over again, and it will still be the cheapest X-Men movie ever made. Oh, damn. <laughs> Honestly, if they kept the cast, that would have been a great idea. 
But and the it lesbianism. Didn't, they, I'm really glad about the lesbianism, but it got shot. I do think it does sound like while doing dailies and while actually on set and having to do things, things probably did have to be changed a little bit. It it's kind of obvious that this isn't exactly Boone's full vision either. Mm-hmm. So we got like a weird middle ground, which is never good when it comes to movies. Some and the, then the fact that they never got to do reshoots sort of solidified everything. Some of the cuts make more sense now. Because <laughs> no reshoots is insane That's, on a studio movie. No one does that. I can't even imagine. No pickups. No. Yeah. I don't. And that's that's how New Mutants came to be. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> what a nightmare. So before we talk about the things that we do enjoy about this movie, because I do want to discuss that, and I want to kind of discuss magic. I do want to, as I said, confront the the racist elephant in the corner, and there's kind of two of them. One is 2021. Almost when, 2022 by the time this comes out. This movie came out in what, twenty early 2021? Early 20, or late 2020. Yeah. Late 2020? Okay. We don't need... Someone being racist to Native Native Americans in your movie anymore. If you want that person to be re- like redeemed, I get that they are. It is like someone acting out, but it really made it hard to like Ilyana. Here's the point. Here's the biggest problem: is there is no redemption moment. There's she no has heart. those moments earlier, mm-hmm. and there's nothing in the middle to redeem it. Because I do think redemption arcs are possible, even for racist characters. They're mm-hmm. not always well done, but they're possible. That's, okay, I will grant you that. I just felt like. Ilyana using Pocahontas as a slur did nothing to advance this movie. I would say there's a lot of arcs missing in this show. There was not a lot of character anything. It just, they were there, this happened, now they're not there. There was like, they, it felt like there was no growth between them as friends. There was no growth in their fears that we got shown multiple times. They showed this is this is what they're scared of. None of them got over that except Moon Dan Moonstar. This is a little bit low, but it still did a better job of building an all new team from scratch than the first Suicide Squad did. Oh yeah, <laughs> and the Suicide Squad spent so much time. Go go listen to our Suicide Squad episode, General Nerdery. It's about the second one, but we yell about the first one too. Oh my god. Um, oh, other thing. I don't like that they lightwashed two of the characters. Both Bobby, uh, Sunspot, Fire mm. Guy, and Dr. Cecilia Reyes, who also, we'll get to that in a second, but is the weirdest choice to make a villain, uh, should be Afro-Latinx. Yeah. Um, and I think both of the actors did a good job. Like, I'm not knocking on them, but like it's a major part of both of their personalities, particularly Bobby's, that he's not... I run into the problem more with her than with him because with him, he is also supposed to be super rich Mm -hmm. and colorism is alive and well in those countries. And it's not often you get someone who is actually dark skinned up in the upper reaches of society. True. And he is a interesting combination of super rich and has had to deal with colorism, but I get what you were saying, Mm -hmm. but I feel like if we're going to call out in the Heights for doing this, then we need to call out the new mutants as well. Um, God, we're talking about a lot of musicals, (laughs) but with Ray's it's so weird because she is the person who didn't want to be an X-Man because it was more important for her to help people as a doctor. And we turn her into 
Mr. Sinister Lackey. Uh, okay. Having her be uh, the Sinister Lackey <laughs> is an upgrade from the original script. Oh, no. Because it was supposed to be Storm. What? It was supposed to be Storm teaching them In there? Boone's original version, it was supposed to be Storm, and she was supposed to be an even more sadistic jailer than what we got. What? Damn near torturing them. I, hmm, I, hmm. Now, his original version also called for a trilogy. If it was then eventually shown that it was that alternate universe storm that had teamed up with Belasco and had learned from him, I would be okay with that. If it's only ever going to be one movie, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> hmm. I, hmm. I sound like Letterkenny while I'm trying to figure out a way to, like... <laughs> Put my thoughts and admittedly, I am one of about four people on earth that calls himself a fan of Dr. Cecilia Reyes <laughs> because I started reading comics when she was still a member. So like mm. anyone who was of that, it's the same reason I think Maggot is one of my favorite X-Men. Uh, also, her convictions to help people obviously aren't that strong. If it just took an email saying you got to kill this person for her to go kill the person. Also... What jerk <laughs> opens up the body bag in the room with a person still alive and being like, yeah, I'm going to kill you while you're strapped to a table? That's not a doctor thing to do. No, she's like, I think they tried to play up that she's also like traumatized and abused by, again, and they call it the Essex Corporation, the name of Mr. Sinister, one of the, I'm not a huge fan, but top five X-Men villains, like on scale, is Nathaniel Essex, Mr. Sinister. And they had been laying the groundwork in the Foxverse that Sinister was going to pop up as a major villain because he's also referenced in the Deadpool movies. Yep. Yeah, it, it was time. I, I say that as someone who's not even a big Mr. Sinister fan, but it was time. Mm -hmm. um, but they didn't really, sh like, they had little hints to like, oh, she's terrified and traumatized. But without showing more of that or some of why, she's just a <laughs> I doubted she was a doctor the entire time. Also, super high power upgrade. Mm, mm -hmm. In her, she can just make shields around herself. In this one, she's like, I have made a bubble that you live in. I can suck the air out of. <laughs> so there's there's plenty of things wrong with this movie, and we can circle back around to them. As far as adaptations go, what did you guys feel they did right? Anna Taylor Joe, as much as I just said, mad at them for making her racist, everything else about her. Almost everything else about her was She great. needed more time to work on the accent. I think she can do it. I think she didn't have enough time with a dialect coach to get it done. She was close. Mm -hmm. But, like, when she pulled out the the soul sword and the metal arm oh, and the so look cool. that I really missed from Ileana, ooh, that was... It's so cool. Or the visuals when she's fighting the demon bear and every hit she gets, she brings him into limbo with the sword. Mm -hmm. It was also really cool. Lockheed being... I was so mad at first when I thought Lockheed was just a just the puppet. Um, but then, like, actually having Lockheed, that was cool. That was, yeah, that I, was I wanted more explanation of that. Her powers were... Her powers are already confusing, just by the nature of being Ilyana Rasputin. Mm. Mm -hmm. They somehow made it worse. <laughs> yeah? Although I want to hear... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ilyana's powers... In the comics, as we have discussed, but just as a quick run over. Mm -hmm. She teleports. That teleportation takes her through the realm of limbo. And she can kind of stop there when she wants to. Mm -hmm. She also has the magic sword made from part of her soul 
thanks to the oh, soul yes. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can go back and listen to our sadly far too long episode about that one. But that's it. That's the basics of it. She mm. can teleport. She's got a magic sword. She has soul issues. She also knows, like, basic magic. Yeah, some magic. In this one, she can teleport, and she seems to have reality manipulation skills on the level of the Scarlet Witch. Because it's not Limbo, it's her happy place that she made that is clearly hell, but, like, hell as depicted on the side of a band that's a big fan of Rush. Yes. Um... (laughs) She has her weird little puppet, which I thought was obnoxious more than anything else, that just randomly turns into an actual flippin' dragon. We haven't discussed Lockheed on this show. <laughs> also, because not her dragon. I get that they <laughs> wanted to use her, though, and Kitty Pride was off doing her own mm-hmm. not-New Mutants thing, so fine. But Lockheed, just quick in the comics, Lockheed first appears in a... Story that Kitty Pride is telling Liliana Rasputin when she's still a little girl before she goes to limbo uh, to like fall asleep. And it is a dragon named after their um, their plane, the X-Jet. Got it. Which is a Lockheed. And it's just kind of like a fantasy land, but all based off the X-Men. Okay. It later shows up and is an actual dragon, but alien, not magic, of variable intelligence in some he can speak and like interact on the level of like smarter than most humans Mm -hmm. on others he's pretty much a dog so it kind of jumps back and forth between the two of those in this one i guess Ilyana reality warped her into but we do see that one scene where she whispers to it and it whispers back the puppet literally whispers back okay that's more confusing if you're not going to give us a moment of that yeah It's like right before the smiley guys show up. Also, what's the deal with the smiley guys? Like, I think it's a reference to a group called The Right from 80s comics. But The Right just had big power armor with smiley faces on the face. It was creepy and cool, but like, this was like the Slender Man? Or the Luxie Man? Uh, The, uh, I... So, Eliana's story in this is super, super dark. And I really think that it was just the childish interpretation of the joy that those guys her tormentors had yeah mm-hmm. i feel like since they rewrote the <laughs> demon bear they probably rewrote her story too to make it darker i get it and they didn't even mention that she's Colossus' sister yeah i get that that was also be very full but i don't you feel free to explain if you get it obviously iliana was captured as a small child and tortured and that is kind of her body or not her body her like memory and mind to translating whatever horror she went through as a young child. Well, but, it was like, sex slavery. I figured, but yeah. And those are all the guys she killed. What we saw in the flashback, she killed all of them. Don't blame her. No, I don't either. But So that's going to leave a scar for anybody, especially a young child. Because if the sword still acts the same way, then she's already like, that's already a problem. She has to deal with that. Now she has to deal with the people what? she killed world did we need Ileana was a victim of sex slavery as a child to add to like although I guess Belasco if mm-hmm. we're being yeah I don't like the yeah. was she ever in the pool or is no. she lie that was a she was never set up as a trustworthy character to begin with so when the scene came in she's like what when she they're looking at each other yeah but I was totally the recording I don't think she was ever in the pool I think that but even that is 
Everyone else is like, oh, look, the person trying to kill you. Okay, we're going into Danny's powers here. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> okay. completely shift on that. Every other character was like, oh, look, the thing that's trying to kill you, it's very direct. Mm. Here's Sam and all the people he accidentally killed. Which is super cool. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. That scene was actually really cool. That's way, they really darkened up Sam's story, too. Like, in it, there was a collapse that he escaped, not he caused the collapse. Right. Holy crap, those are two different <laughs> things. Um, or the priest that tried to kill uh, oh, Rain. Rain. Oh, you pointed out Anya Taylor-Joy. I thought Maisie Williams was the standout yes. of this movie. When, when we talk about things they did right, which we will. Mm-hmm. And also, we, I mean, we kind of are, but we will get to her in a moment. I just want to get through this. Everyone else had like a very direct, bad things are happening now. But his was so involved. Like, my powers are going to make you super horny first. <laughs> and then bad things. Like, it, well, I feel like based off the way it works with everyone else. There should have just the fl- been. The flaming corpse of his ex-girlfriend that he accidentally burned alive. Should have just been. Should have just been like, look what you did to me! I feel like they, each horror scene that happened kind of played on exactly the feelings they were feeling at the moment their powers came out. So for, like, in the mines, he's down there, he's claustrophobic, he can't, he can't, he's scared, Mm -hmm. and then his power erupts. And then for, I forget her name, the in the show, she turns into the wolf. Rain. Rain. Uh, Either way. Mm-hmm. She feels like no protection. She's literally naked in that scene with that guy in there. Like she's scared or she's helpless. And then he brands her. Right. And then for uh sunspot, he literally has to have attraction. Like he's, he was like attracted to his fiance mm-hmm. and then he just burst in the flame and she melted. So like those things. Like oh yeah, it was led, rough. Yeah, each thing. Oh, I see what you're saying. They made it mirror what actually happened. So they're yeah, going through that again, makes sense. The traumatic. I just feel like there was so, they had to have so much more build up for his first compared to the others. That was weird. But also while we're talking about it, the demon bear seems to just be her powers act. It's not like an actual demon bear attacking. It she has to be scared for that to come out. In the movie. I guess. I don't know. Which then makes me question the beginning of the movie. Was she... Because from what she says, her life was relatively calm and normal. Did she just have like a weird nightmare and then the bear showed up and killed everybody? Is that what yeah. happened? I, I feel like the bear at the end of the movie makes sense with the way that they've been explaining it. Yeah. But with the way that they've been explaining it, it doesn't make the initial appearance of the bear no, it makes make no any sense. Why sort is it there? Why did it kill everybody? Yeah. She wasn't in... She was literally sleeping. So the bear is not... A separate demon bear. It actually is her powers. I have that right? Because... Yeah, it's... It's, it's her dark. powers manifesting her own fear. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Don't care for the choice, but I also understand how... There's also a demon bear <laughs> might be something that they were a little <laughs> hesitant to enter in here. Um, all right, let's talk about... You mentioned Rain. She's... I thought Maisie was, like, I was looking for Anya to be the standout because I've loved her in everything else I've ever seen her in. Mm-hmm. And not that I haven't loved Maisie Williams in everything else I've ever seen her in, but that is Game of Thrones. That's, That's all it. I've seen her in. Yeah. Whereas Doctor I've Who. seen, yeah. That's oh, yeah, Doctor Who. But even then, this is... But Anya, I've seen... A, yeah, I've seen a few other places, and then I was like, oh, like, Anya's fine, but Maisie is killing it in this place. Mm-hmm. Really good. 
Well, she's a lot closer to the accent that she has to replicate. Like, <laughs> that's also true. <laughs> Being from Britain, mm-hmm. she's like, well, I just have to go, you know, maybe, a, I don't know how far it is, but like within a thousand miles, <laughs> as opposed to literally the other side of the planet. Right. But, I mean, just beyond that, Maisie did a really good job of the kind of beaten down Scottish super religious girl. With a really dark sense of humor. (laughs) uh, Who's super traumatized about everything that's going on. Because we have to remember, Rain was being killed by her, like told that she's a demon going to hell and being killed by her. Basically Nightcrawler's story, but without Nightcrawler's coping mechanisms of I'll just be Errol Flynn and it will be okay. Mm -hmm. I do like making her a lesbian. Or making them at least some sort of bisexual. Because Mm -hmm. if you read those old comics, it's not as strong as Kitty Pride and Rachel Gray, who had super hardcore lesbian vibes. Mm. But there is a lot of lesbian subtext between Rain and Danny. Because Chris Claremont really wanted to put a lesbian or a bisexual character in his comics. And because it was 1985... Wasn't allowed to. It also felt organic, which I really liked as well. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. happened naturally, which was really... They cool. had chemistry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like cutesy teenager chemistry, but that's okay. They're supposed to be cutesy teenagers. Thanks, cutesy teenagers. <laughs> and then I've sort of said it like already, the bare bones of this movie, I thought, is really good. As like, I said, there's a movie in here that works. Just like just, this idea for introducing this team, I think works better than just like... Look, and it's a team of new mutants. Yeah. It's like, no, like they had, let's, let's separate them a little bit, but mm. give them a way to work their way in. I would have have them, if not saved, but have like Professor X show up at the end or an X-Man being like, what's going on here? There's a demon thing. Just I figured show up to help. <laughs> Where'd it go? <laughs> why are you here? What is this place? Why, like, is there, why are there bodies? What's going on? Uh, yeah, like Gene shows up like I sensed a psychic disturbance, but... Which one what? of you was it? <laughs> Psylocke. You could even do Magneto. Like, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of ways that this oh, could work. Magneto would have been perfect, because it's already a darker movie. There you go. <laughs> Cable, who was Goodness. a major, major figure to these characters later on. Mm-hmm. Except for Danny, but I'm super biased because uh, I consume a lot of horror stuff because it's like my favorite genre. I really liked some of the horror shots in this show, like when the door opens when Ileana is in the cell and you see the painting on the wall from below. That's a really cool shot. Like it, it shows the sense of power. Like she's little compared to mm-hmm. what her fear is, and then you have all these other amazing shots. Like they really thought out the horror aspects. And they did really good. They. I don't even think they would have had to have needed the Breakfast Club stuff. They just could have just had the horror stuff, and that would have been great. I know that one of the producers wanted to just completely throw out any and all of the Breakfast Club stuff at one time. Yeah. I disagree with you, but I admit to my own bias, I'm not a horror guy. That's fair. I just, the superhero meets horror meets Breakfast Club is pretty much what that classic New Mutants comic was. Mm. So the idea, I think, is probably like the purest translation they just didn't do it. They got, they, they the horror just, was a little jump scary for, for me, but not too bad. 
And like the design was cool for just about everything I thought. So I was like, I was down with it, but. Cause I would have liked if there was like, if they would have stayed in the facility a little longer when this, all the psychic stuff came to a head. So you don't know what you're going to see in there anymore. It's just literally a pit of horror. Mm-hmm. It could be anything. And you could have like doppelgangers of each other. Like if they actually had character arcs in this, movie, <laughs> you could have doppelgangers like opposing the arc. Like we're not actually friends. Like it would cause friction, tons of cool stuff, but that's where you could have had some of the redeeming moments yeah. too. Like, or yeah, no, you're right. There was, <laughs> there is a chunk of the movie it's, it's not that it's not missing, because they didn't cut a huge bit, but, like, it just didn't happen that needed to happen that brings them together. I don't even mind that Bobby's a bit of a chauvinist. You can especially, like, but you have to have that moment where he, you know, admits that, like, he's overcompensating in response to the loss of his fiance. There's so much room for the, like they they had all the groundwork there for them to evolve as characters. It confused me just why it never happened. Like they literally put in the work. They had the backgrounds. They well, now had, we know why it wouldn't happen. Well, yeah. But but like uh, it's just it's just mind boggling. <laughs> like <laughs> it could have been so much better. I do wonder if some of it's just because Boone had originally thought of it as a trilogy, so he's like, I'm gonna have time to do this with I'll these characters. Maybe that's I'm it. just gonna introduce <laughs> them right now. That's fair. That could that could have been it. Did it if they commercial? are leaving hand in hand, and I get only two of them are hand in hand, but still, mm-hmm. at the end of your movie, you have to get them there. Admittedly, those two are the only ones that got themselves there <laughs> yeah. again. But we we haven't we, we haven't even really touched on Sam. Cannibal's one of my favorite X Men. There's just something about him that clicks with me. I think he's a lot of fun. I think that the accent was a little similar to Anna Taylor Joy. The accent was a little shaky. Mm-hmm. He'd have it, and then he would not have it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, like, he'd have it, but then he'd kind of shrug. It'd be like if I tried to talk with a southern accent for a long time, except I am not a professionally paid actor. I'm some schmuck from northern Montana. <laughs> That's farthest from the south you can get. <laughs> <laughs> and stay in the United States, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it would have been nice for him to have a moment of leadership step up. Because being a leader is a big part of who Cannibal is. He's one of the better leaders in the X-Men universe. The closest we had to that was when he yelled at Bobby to nut up. <laughs> I got, He also took initiative when he's like, we got to get better sometime. And then he went to go help immediately. Ileana with the demon bear. Okay, I'll give you that. But that's like the only two instances in the entire movie. I thought that he was eternally beat up was a little weird, but that's just because in the comic, his powers are supposed to be... They protect him some. Like, he's got the shield around him while he's... Yeah, he can't be hurt while he's blasting. Mm -hmm. I also would have liked to get a slightly better picture of him blasting. And I get that he's supposed to be going super fast, but it almost looks more like super speed than, like... I wanted his bottom half to be, like, the weird energy thing as he, like, shoots himself. Mm. If the Snyder Cut can have, like, three hours of slow motion, (laughs) you can borrow 30 seconds of it. What a cut. For this movie to have one moment of Sam doing the classic cannibal look. Mm -hmm. And I get that it's goofy, but it's also an X-Men property, and it is the most iconic moment of the character, so I thought it was a loss not to have that. He also 
was hurting himself a lot on purpose, though. Mm, like, I wish that had been addressed at all. Yeah, because you see, there's even that scene in the bathroom, like, immediately after one of the horror scenes where he just punches himself in the head. Oh, yeah. And it never comes back to that. It just shows that. But it's, like, a literally a 30-second scene, and that's it. Well, and they straight up have that, like, we think he's punishing himself. He's just like, clunk, 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 clunk. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't land very Bouncing well. off of the floor and all that, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, I like... That's fine that you're doing that. Again, if we're going to talk about Breakfast Club teenagers with trauma, self-harm is a thing. Mm. But you don't just... Do it and leave it? Yeah. There has to be resolution for that. It gives the wrong picture. Why is every interesting plot line that... Th- it, I mean, it's the same thing that we were saying with the others. There's no redemption around, except it's not redemption for him. It's um, not punishing yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of forced because he just decides, you know, I'm done. And he just goes <laughs> and helps people. Guess I'm fine now. <laughs> the only person who had a little bit of an arc was uh, Moonstar. But that's because she's the main character. I do think making Moonstar the lead was a good choice. Um, well, I mean, this is a better Moon... This is a better Moonstar story than the actual Demon Bear saga. It's just that the other stories around the Demon Bear saga are way better for Moonstar than this story is. <laughs> I really thought Moonstar was a bigger part of the story all about her when I was reading about this and deciding to do that for the same episode. here. But Same here. <laughs> Who would have thought? But this is a better Moonstar story yes. than the Having original her Demon not Bear. be unconscious for the whole thing was a good call. And I'm sorry, can you tell me that actor's name again? Uh, Blue Hunt. Oh, it's just Blue Hunt. Okay. I want to see her in more things. She did a really good job. I thought she I thought she did a very compelling Moonstar. Every actor in this did a good job. Mm-hmm. They did what, with what they were given. They did a good job. God, she's not been in much, has no. she? I'm looking at the Wikipedia over your shoulder here. No, not much. <laughs> I didn't hate much. No, I did not hate this movie. I mean, mostly left me with questions about some of the things that happened in the movie. Like the bear at the beginning. I don't understand why that happened. I don't understand why the doctor... We'll tell her at the beginning it was a tornado, but then while she has her drugged in a chair, like, no, it wasn't a tornado. Like, it was a bear. Why? It's so weird. This is weird decisions in general, but that could have just been the writing. In gen- like, this, they cut things, and then when they're putting it together, this the, what was before isn't there anymore. Well, and there wasn't the reshoots to... Yeah, it's just, it's just what they had. To sync scenes together. Rhea should have been Dr. Kavita Rao, but... And you wouldn't have had the shield that way, but Rao is a character that cured mutants and then later teamed up with me. Like, is a a, a complicated figure, because she's not against mutants, but she did come up with a quote-unquote cure for the mutant gene as well. Mm-hmm. So, complicated figure in mutant life. So putting her in the more complicated position, I think, would have worked. Mm. Oh, when she's attempting to lead them in meditation. It is the worst <laughs> meditation, because what she, she's just being like, Control. Control. <laughs> Control. It's like someone who has never seen or heard of meditation oh in their life other than like... That was so funny. The though. first sentence in Wikipedia. The problem was I don't think it was supposed to be as funny as it was. <laughs> no! It was I also, when she's sitting with Moonstar on the couch drinking her coffee, like right was Moonstar had woken up, and she's telling her like, oh, like, it's survivor's guilt and like everything like that. I just bust out laughing. It's like she's the worst therapist I've seen in my life. I would you would never say half the things she said to that person after they woke up. No, it's in the same way <laughs> so that they're bad. having their like group therapy, and it's mostly like everyone wants to kill you, and they're right to do so. So you got to stay with me. 
That's not good like, therapy. Jesus, that's not good therapy. That's, but it's, it's not even good gaslighting. Like, no. you have to be a little subtle with your gaslighting. Because they know. They're, they're like, you're an idiot. <laughs> what the you're, hell? You're superiors. <laughs> I wish, man, I wish. Like I already brought up, they sort of started to plant the seeds that, like, Mr. Sinister was going to be the next mm-hmm. big villain to come around. After the already really far-off references we had in Deadpool, I hoped that we were going to get more than just the name Essex in this one. And the little diamond shape? Yeah. Nope. Not that it matters, like, because this didn't even get released till after the merger or anything anyway. Damn. And, yeah. I mean, we Marvel's can... going to use Sinister at some point. And, uh... and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and the X-Men movies have been floundered more than they didn't. Mm-hmm. There's some really good X-Men movies, but there's... This isn't even the worst X-Men movie. No, it's not even in the bottom three. There's only 13 X-Men movies. Like, bottom three is a, a yeah. sizable percentage still. I give it, like, an average score. It's yeah, like middle yeah. line. it is fine. If we're going to talk about it critically, all the bad stuff comes up. But mm-hmm. it, it, I had fun. I would rec- I have recommended this movie already. Admittedly, to my friend, who will watch anything with lesbians in it because she can't find representation to save her life. But still, yeah. it's just not great. Which we knew going in. Yeah. No, it's better than I thought it was going to be. I enjoyed it a whole lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah. I uh, I went in with the bar of witches. And I was <laughs> far exceeded, so... <laughs> It's not even the worst superhero movie we're going to watch covering magic in the Marvel Universe. (laughs) It's going to be fun. Ghost Rider exists. I'm excited. Um, I have even more fun watching Ghost Rider than this, though. Probably. Because it's like almost like watching those first two Resident Evil movies. Like that. At least in that one, we get Nick Cage and Jelly Beans. I don't get the scene. It makes me angry, but like (laughs) it makes me feel stronger emotions than this did. Other thing. Yeah, lesbians, which makes me sound like the most chauvinist dude. But I mean, like. Yeah, it lesbian was representation, like a, not like, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm not going farther. On and like, so look, you get they're, I mean. they're sweet, and they actually have some it's chemistry, cute, and it like, works. and they have like actual like semi decent conversations about like life and yeah. like afterlife. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's oddly decent writing <laughs> for this movie. And Rain talked her off the clock tower. <laughs> yeah, that was good. And not by just and not just by saying you shouldn't do it, but she's like, well, if I would do that, I'm going to hell. I was mostly just happy that I was expecting a whole lot of queer baiting of mm. like heavy implication, but not really gonna show it. And then in this one, nope, they just get and not overly sexualizing the kiss. Like it's a kiss they are very clearly into and enjoying, but they're also teenagers, mm-hmm. and it's not like let's slow mo and make them glistening for some reason. I love the text you sent to our group chat while you're watching it. <laughs> you're like, oh, the subtext is a lot louder than this. <laughs> Never mind, just full text. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Good job. <laughs> he got there. <laughs> uh, also, this... just like, like maybe not from the 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 same tribe, but like Blue Hunt is native. Yeah, she's uh, actually having part native... Apache, part Lakota. And is also uh, self-described super queer. And she's supposed to be Cheyenne, right? Am I mm-hmm. remembering that correctly? Yeah, okay. So I was just like, oh, cool. Hell Guess yeah. what? You are way there closer are, than There are good actresses. Like, you're trying to find a very specific role, and you found an actress that matches all of those qualifications and is a really good actress. 
You can probably do this across the board. Yeah, look at other movies. You can do this. Um, not to super beat down the queer thing, but on the last one, uh, is this the is this the first explicitly queer superhero movie we've had? Movie, probably. I know on TV, like Arrowverse is done explicitly queer way before this. I yeah, because Supergirl had it. But mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm trying to think. Like, Marvel likes to hint, but I can't think of any other superhero movie that had uh, its main lead. Although, um, Arrow never but, had its like, main leads be gay, although it did have, like, significant cast members. So I'm not, I'm not trying to insult those. Mm-hmm. I just... Also... It might it might have been the first filmed, but also maybe not by the time it was actually released. Mm-hmm. Oh, what are you thinking of? I don't know. I'm just trying to think, but I I realize that there's a three year time gap in there that like I will <laughs> say Zorro the Gay Blade should not count. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't Whoa. expecting to hear a Zorro the Gay Blade <laughs> wow. reference today, but thank you for that. I was trying really hard to think of any kind of queer superhero movie. <laughs> My day is infinitely better now. <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm trying to think. I honestly don't know. I because there's a three year time period in there that, that we're considering. Jeez, <laughs> that this movie just sat and we were wondering. It's at least the highest profile, like yeah. explicitly queer uh, uh, characters. It's like the first Marvel or DC one. Because as I said, Marvel really likes to like nod and wink mm. that so and so is gay. But the closest we get is Mantis being like, I don't even like people like you. That's that's not enough. No. How'd it do in the box office? Bad. Yeah, it's a it bomb. Fl- it flopped. Um, so it took in just under fifty million okay. against a budget that was somewhere between sixty seven and eighty million, and that would not be accounting those budget numbers usually don't account for advertising, which they also have to recoup. So it didn't make anything? No, no, no. They probably lost... a Like 40 mil? The, no, they probably lost somewhere between, uh, I would say, 50 to 70 million on it. Dang. I am amazed they didn't just fire the director yeah. at any point. Or just be like, dude, we'll give you like 2 million just for your script. Yeah. Now bugger off. Yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of what I mean. Like, yeah. pay him off to f*** off. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like that would have been a... The ideals are all there. Uh-huh. But one of the other quotes from that, like, Vulture article for when, like, they had him in that room, in that intervention, is like, they would say, this doesn't work. And he would sit there and try to explain, but enthusiasm isn't explanation. No. No. The love was there. Simon Kinberg produced this. I think it was produced. Uh, He's a big guy in a lot Mm -hmm. of the X-Men Fox movies. Mm. That kind of sums up a lot of his stuff. He had the right idea for most of his things. But he also botched the Dark Phoenix saga twice. Poor guy. How? (laughs) Poor guy. It's all there. It's laid out. (laughs) Just use it. Yeah. And the animated X-Men series pulled it off for the most part. Well, in that one, they're like, well, we can't do aliens. That's too over the top. And you're like, that guy shoots lasers from his (laughs) eyes. I think we'll be okay. He's giving out goggles to help him with it. (laughs) From Mr. Sinister. All of it was lining up, and they just, eh. 
Yeah, it's fine. Do an after credit shot of just Mr. Sinister turning around going, fine, I'll do it myself. Just straight up rip off Thanos. But with Mr. Sinister. Would have been fun, at least. Oh, man, I can't wait to see Mr. Sinister on screen. <laughs> He's not my favorite, but he, I know I like him more than you do, so. Yeah. yeah. In my opinion of him, there's things I do like about him. At this point, we're just talking about my love of X-Men more than magic, because this does, movie doesn't do anything on yeah. that. But, like, Mr. Sinister's weird, like, tendril cape I adore. He's so over the top. I love the black lipstick and the red diamonds. Modern, super campy Sinister is one of the best things in the world. Yeah, honestly, he's way more compelling when he is just insane. Oh, well, we'll see what comes. I do... I have any... Okay, I'll admit... It dropped a few days ago. I still haven't even watched the Multiverse of Madness trailer. Oh, I have. But we know that a Multiverse of Madness is coming. I wouldn't mind them finding some ways to bring back Anya Taylor-Joy as Magic and Maisie Williams as Rain. Bring back this entire cast. Honest to God. Or, like, all every, of them. I think every cast member but those did two a especially. good job. Oh, yeah. Those two especially. And Blue All of them is fine. Those two especially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it'd be really cool. I'm excited for that. Ah, magic looks so cool in this movie. Super good. And it just really makes me want to pick Marvel. You could, you don't have to do, like, her old school costume, but give her the one armored arm mm-hmm. and the, like, classic soul sword, not the, like, buster sword from Final Fantasy VII look again. Yeah, yeah, classic one all the way. Yeah. The buster, like, her new look is fine, but it's just fine, and it's been almost ten years. You can update. Mm-hmm. Oh, this... Uh, man, this could be just its own little spinoff that I, we don't have to go too far down this rabbit hole, but they they have different characters assume other characters' mantles all the time. I now, just you saying that, want to see uh, magic as Silver Samurai for some reason. Oh, that would be fun. I'd like that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's been a robot a couple of times. There's No one cares too much about the Silver Samurai. Yeah. I kind of know who he is, and I'm me, so... Um, let's see, next time... Because I think we're ready to just talk about next time. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, we're ready to talk. Unless, Mac... That's everything? Yeah. yeah. Next time we're going to go from a movie that went all about the mutant powers and ditched all the magic aspects to a movie that does only the magic aspects and ditched all the mutant powers, or I guess TV show, because we will be covering WandaVision. WandaVision. I have only seen the first episode so far. I've been spoiled on most of it because I exist on the internet. Yeah. But also you read comics, you can guess a bit that's coming. I everyone's like, this is gonna really happen. I'm like, it's not. It's not. <laughs> but also I want to see how many of the little Easter eggs you catch because of that. So far it's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Mostly on the first episode I was confused by Kitty Foreman being there. Oh. I just could only see her as Kitty, Kitty from that 70s yeah. show. But that's for next time. Yeah, we will definitely talk about that more next time. (laughs) Because that's all the time we have set aside for our lesson today. For those of you staying on the island, the weekly cleansing of our palate from this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Weekly? (laughs) He watches it weekly. Oh, no. Starts soon. (laughs) I'm not going to go into details on what we do there. Oh, that's more disturbing. I gotta go. All right. (laughs) For everyone else, we hope your cruise back to the wild world of nerdery is swift and safe and super fun. Bon voyage. Thank you for listening to this episode of New Byland. If you like the show, please hit subscribe. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, 
That would also be super helpful. As always, we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network and would greatly appreciate it if you could go check out all of our sister shows over at earworm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. A big special thanks to Ian Ford for our theme song and music. We'll catch you next time.